0: What's going on, it's time for another episode of Too Hard for the Radio, transmitting from the future pre-state of greater Idaho, I am the one on madman, and from the badlands in southern Montana, it's Nolan, too hard. Alright, let's hit it. Big show planned tonight. How are we doing, my man?
1: Oh man, I'm uh I'm still kicking. I'm still kicking.
0: World War Three is looming. The Don got raided the other day and but the big question is, what did you think of the new Predator movie? <laughs> um
1: it was uh it was interesting. Um I I have a hard time uh you know obviously Uh, I, I, I'm all for, uh, women's power. I love them,
0: (laughs) but the uh, obvious 90 pound girl fighting uh, a predator.
1: What (laughs) I, I, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm sure there was an occasional thought of, of the, you know, primal, um, indigenous tribes and stuff where you were hunter-gatherer and, uh, you had to actually hunt for your meat. I'm sure there was an occasional thought by the chicks, uh, you know, like, I wonder what it's like to go hunt, but I, I, I have a hard time believing that any very many of those situations actually came to be, um,
0: it's amazing that, (laughs) uh, it's amazing that like every fucking movie, about native Americans is like the most progressive tribe ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The thing that really got, I I don't go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I don't, you know, I not acting like I in any way, shape or form know what it's like to live in a tribe, but, (laughs) um, it, uh, yeah, it, I, 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 I don't know. I I I I the the, the but, but, that's enough out of you on like, that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing that really got me, like you know, I don't I don't watch movie previews cuz I don't want to see any part of it before I watch. Like I know a new Predator movie's going to come out. I'm going to watch the movie. I don't need to see clips of the movie beforehand. So the only thing yeah. I knew about it was there's a new Predator movie. And it takes place in a in a native tribe. So my my original yeah. thought was like, all right, if you're going to make a progressive movie, this is how you do it. You you incorporate it with something like this, and you make it good. So my original thought was they should do this like Mel Gibson's Apocalypto meets Predator.
1: Mm, yeah, that would have been that would have been way better.
0: But right For away, the natives are speaking fucking English.
1: Well, they got, they got to do that for the audience. No, they don't. uh, Apocalypto did fine. Apocalypto did great. That was epically, epically more and more intense, I think.
0: Yeah, but they could have done that.
1: I 100% agree. Yeah, they should have. They could have. And then they had the white
0: people speaking French. It was fucking crazy. Can you imagine... Well, maybe they were French <laughs> Can you imagine the board <laughs> meetings about this movie? It's like, hey, we're going to do this. Oh, well, we can't make them speak Cherokee because then we're going to lose all these people. So but the white people have to be in it because we have to have the white people destroying everything in the beginning. I thought maybe the predator is going to be like an analogy for the white man, destroying everything and killing everything, but no, right. They brought him in and I was like, my God, they didn't even do like in Vikings when, uh, they would meet up with English people. They would, the, the yeah. scene would like flock from them speak the Vikings speaking English to them speaking Norse and to the English people. And it worked like, it's not great, but you can't do an entire season, you know, series of, of um, Vikings in Norse. Nobody's going to watch that shit, yeah. but you yeah. could at least I mean, make I would, it, but I would have, I would have preferred. And I'm obviously I'm not a native American, but to me, it's like, if you're gonna make a movie about Native Americans, do it. Don't do this whitewash version where they speak English. Like yes. show my yes. fucking yes. culture. Don't fucking whitewash it.
1: I totally agree with that. Yeah. I would still I would still go see it. I know you would still go see it. The problem is there's a huge percentage of people that would not watch it, even if it was free. <clears throat> on netflix well uh, it was well, free on hulu I mean, essentially pay for netflix but
0: i mean it was on hulu yes. it's no different yes. like, it wasn't in theaters but yeah and these movies aren't but making I, any I, money they just canceled batgirl it yes. had a huge fucking budget and they were just like yeah these streamers aren't making money the free the cheap money's gone interest rates are going up the cheap money's gone these streamers aren't going to be able to dump a ton of money and you know continue
1: well, I feel like they could in the right projects. One thing that was kind of interesting to me, because Netflix has been taking a huge hit lately, but they just put out, I, I don't know if that, uh, the stranger things is all done, but I don't know. That either. was a giant, like Goliath series. Yeah. I watched it. I enjoyed it, but it was, um, like a cult classic, like, a, a right, right out of
0: the gate cult classic. But, uh, um, they did that like, weird uh, thing they where they split the, the, the final season up into two.
1: Uh, that, that's one thing that that's the reason I'm not sure. Like they did eight episodes and then they waited a month and then put out one more episode. Yeah. And I think that's it, but I'm I, not think sure. the, I, I think I think the reason is,
0: is that they want to get people for. The, they've got short timers coming in. They've got people like me who's had a Netflix account, and I should get rid of it. But I watch TV, so. But they've got people like me who have had a Netflix account for years, and it's just going to continue to have it. And then they have short timers who are coming in to watch that show. So my thought is, is by splitting yeah. it up and keeping it in, and putting it out like two months later or three months later, they're hoping that they'll keep the the short time subscriptions on for a few more months. I think that's why a lot of these subscription services are are doing weekly releases of shows because they go, if we do it all at once, people are going to buy a month worth or get a free month worth of our platform. They're going to watch the entire show in a couple of days, and then they're going to delete their membership again. If we put out 10 shows over 10 weeks, we can get two months' worth of memberships. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, um – um. uh Shit I was
1: I um on the on the membership ah
0: fuck I can't remember the the thing I was thinking when when I'm watching predators like how are they gonna go more progressive than this and then instantly I went oh my god female predator we gotta get predator her ah. <laughs> 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 We can't have this patriarchy oh, taking control of the predator verse. We got to have a woman predator going in there. How can we have the woman native fighting a, a man predator? I mean, this isn't obvious. We got to have Predator Her. With a, with a bunch of
1: cuck predators just sitting there watching Predator Her slaughter?
0: No, we got to have Predator Her starring Gina Carano on the Daily Wire streaming Ooh. service.
1: I like that. Uh, I I think you're on to something. Yeah. uh, I remember remember the thing I was going to say about the Netflix series. So uh, I've seen a trend where they split. They do that bullshit split the last season of the
0: series. They did it with uh, the um, Ozark too.
1: Yes. And just like Peaky Blinders, they do that last little stint. That's totally a bullshit. Well, mostly a bullshit season only to set up a film. And then they try to just turn it into a film franchise after that.
0: Yeah. Predator, the next, the (laughs) predator 47 predator. It's gotta happen. We can't uh, have this. We got to have a bring, uh, bring Arnold back, bring Arnold back. And he's got to get his ass kicked by a female predator. That's the only way we can rectify this situation. So I went ahead and fired up my trusty, uh, flux capacitor and plugged into the internet to, to, to see if this ever happens in the future. And I found a, an article here. It's in, um, it's from 2050. It's by Us Whenever. And I thought that was weird. So I, I looked into Us Whenever and it, it looks like they were, you know, had a, a employee takeover. So they got rid of their weekly. It's no more Us Weekly. It's just Us Whenever We Feel Like It. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That's what happens in 2050. <laughs> Oh. So, so here's the here's the 2050 article. We all remember the 2035 arrest of director acting person Gina Carano. It was fresh off the hit and now defunct Daily Wire Predator reboot Predator versus the Mandalorian. <laughs> Although it was a smash hit and captivated their streaming service past Apple and Netflix some pointed that Carano had clearly and deliberately misgendered the predator in Zur film. Sir, that's that's a mis, that's a, a a gender non-binary term. <laughs> we thought the franchise was officially dead, but it was announced today that we're finally going to see another Predator film. Predator. <laughs> so that's how you, that's how you tap it. You got to have a non-binary predator. Is that a tit mm-hmm. maybe? Is that a bulge <laughs> down there? Who knows. <laughs> Is that an Adam's apple hiding behind that mask of yours? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) You remember that picture that I sent, those pictures Um, I sent you of Brittany Griner the other day? Yeah. I was just, I saw a picture of her pop up in my thing and I go, that's an Adam's apple. (laughs) And apparently Russia is now going to, they say that they're going to test her DNA to see if she's a man or a woman so they can find out where to house her (laughs) properly. (laughs) Damn. Could you imagine if we Uh, find out that this chick is not a chick, but a dude has been playing in the WNBA for years? That wouldn't surprise me at all, honestly. No. And then... And what would the, you know, and the response would just be like... Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> She's a woman. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> that's, that's
1: that's like the that's like that. Um, Our ratings are about to go grand, up. Gender swimmer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess like, Trump brought her brought the the chick that got second place to her out on the stage with him in a rally the other day.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Um. Uh. Yeah, that's uh like the swimmer, um, the swimmer, transgender yeah. person. It uh, with the huge it, bulge and uh, massive Adam's So you're the you're you're barely barely above par, um, you know, sub par by uh collegiate standards. But then, so to make yourself feel better, you have to go be a woman to crush. Every woman's record, it just I don't it it it, it doesn't make sense.
0: You know my you know my stance on this man
1: competing against women.
0: You know my stance on this. Let it happen. Bring it up. Keep them coming. Make these make these universities the laughing stock that they should be. Go start your own swimming match. Have these girls compete in a tough mudder or something like that. Make your own your own swimming contest that the Olympics can't ignore and just bypass these universities all the other. Don't waste your fucking money. Get a real job and compete and go to the Olympics that way. This whole school thing has got to go, and if they're going to make themselves look like idiots, I say let them.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. Just let them... Let Eat them, themselves uh, from the crumble. inside.
0: Yeah. So uh, the great Jesse Ventura had a tweet after the film. I saw that film, and I I saw her use my line, and I said, I need to make a tweet. Pray, great, great film. Amber Mid-Thunder, you definitely ain't got time to bleed. Welcome to the Predator family. Thank you for making such a thoughtful, creative, and wonderful film. (laughs) pretty good yeah you know the great Jesse Ventura he kind of fell apart during COVID but he's you know he's still the man did you see his I have a mask people aren't wearing masks could you imagine in World War II my mother served in World War II (laughs) (laughs) but I've got this in my notes Batgirl was 90 million dollars they cancelled it And you said, yeah, no, done. And they're not going to show the film. What film? Batgirl. They made a Batgirl film about like a lesbian non-binary Batgirl. And they're just not going to put it out. Oh, for real? Yeah. They either didn't finish it or something happened with the streaming service and they just said, you know what? Fuck it. We're done. No? $90 million Uh, movie. They're not I don't think these movies are making return on investment. I mean, with this streaming service shit. Who knows? How much, how many people are actually watching them? You know, what was really crazy? Uh, I looked in, I looked in, uh, in uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and, uh, the new Predator film got a 93 and the original got an 80. (laughs) (laughs) My thought is is that, that all the people reviewing it were terrified to give it a, a poor review, even four stars, because they would get called out for being racist or some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, yeah. It's like the audiences in, in some of these late night TV shows when they're like, you know, in Saturday Night Live, it's like the audience has got fucking guns pointed at them, and they're like, "Do we laugh at this, or are we not allowed to?" Laugh? Can uh, like, you please use the sign? We need to know what we're supposed to laugh at.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. No, no. Uh. All right. Well, from from one predator. To the next, Nancy Pelosi shoving her big fake tits where they don't belong. I don't know if there's a predator in the universe as scary as that broad. So she was over in uh, Taiwan this last week, shoving her big fake tits where they don't belong. And that's kind of the story of America for the past, you know, 80 years, shoving our big fake tits where they don't belong. Man.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, that's such, a, such a, a deep state move. I don't even know what to actually make of it. The one thing that it was really scary, I saw um, a rep for the White House completely uh, lawyer it up. He was like, well, you know, we don't control where she goes. If she mm-hmm. goes, then she goes. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if she's going to go, but mm-hmm. we'll make sure she'll get there safe. And it has nothing to do with President Biden, and it doesn't change our agreements, and blah 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 blah. Just totally uh, neutralizing it in any way, shape, or form. It's yeah, yeah. It's there's cowardice. been a
0: lot of ambiguity either, over this. Either shit. stand up and back it up, yeah. It's been nasty. So let's let's dig into this island off the coast of – this Chinese island off the coast of China. I don't even know. Oh. Ta- I've never even heard of Taiwan. I don't even know what it is. All right, All right. Let's find out some history about this place. We're going to go to – we're going to do a few clips from the Scott Horton Show. This is from Peter Van Buren on November 19th in 2021. Let's find out some history about this island.
2: But basically, after a civil war interrupted by World War II when the Communists and the Nationalists joined forces against the Japanese. When World War II ended, then the Communists and the Nationalists went back at each other and the Communists won and in 1949 the Nationalists uh, decamped to this the little island of Taiwan which otherwise was historically insignificant uh, in Chinese history and arguably wasn't really part of China for a large part of Chinese history. Um, the Nationalists were quickly adopted by the United States and, and the anti-Communists thing, and the United States uh, recognized Taiwan as the legitimate government of China until 1979, when the United States changed its relationship and recognized Beijing, and basically... uh, put Taiwan into this amorphous diplomatic category where we don't officially recognize them as, as a country. Um, that was all created through a series of communiques known as the Taiwan Relations Act and the equivalent of in the Chinese mainland. And that's the sort of framework that, that governs all that. Now, for 70 years since all that happened, since 1949, China has not invaded Taiwan, and that is a significant thing because it requires you to come up with a change event. A change event is everybody who writes, uh, who writes bad fiction knows. A change event is when mild-mannered anti-war Scott Horton becomes a vigilante superhero because one of his children is kidnapped by a cartel and, and you go on a killing spree. That's the change event. And so when you're going to say 70 years of motion in one direction is suddenly going to go in a different direction. You need a change event. And it has to be significant enough to actually motivate the change.
0: Well, unfortunately for these fucking psychopaths, Nancy Pelosi's big fake tits weren't a big enough change event to really provoke anything.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know how you take your tits, but I prefer mine not full of air. Uh, I don't think they're very provocative at all. <laughs>
0: but this is what they're going for. They have to poke the bear. This yeah. hasn't happened yet. We need something to happen. We need to make more weapons. We need yeah. to spend more money. Uh, that
1: that was another thing that I forgot to mention before. Uh, whatever White House rep I heard talking about the Pelosi Taiwan trip, they reiterated several times that the United States does not recognize Taiwan as a sovereign country or something like that. That blew my mind. I, and that's what it just said in that video. I, that, that's just outright uh, bowing down to China's will.
0: Well, this is, this is how it is. I mean, they are, and we're going to get into this further, but the air is 6,000 miles away. The Pacific Ocean is not a lake of North America. These people, yeah. we're going to get into it a little bit more, but initially, for we all know what this visit was about, semiconductors. So let's, let's read a little bit about semiconductors. The House Speaker's trip came after Congress passed a bill that included $52 billion to subsidize domestic chip manufacturing. While in Taiwan, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with the island's top semiconductor industry leaders as the U.S. is looking to gain an edge on China when it comes to chip manufacturing. Pelosi's trip came after Congress passed the Chips and Science Act, a massive $280 billion piece of legislation on top of the 370 they just passed. That includes $52 billion in subsidies for companies to build and expand chip manufacturing facilities. Pelosi met with the chairman of Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, the world, uh, TSMC, the world's biggest chip manufacturer, to discuss the Chips and Science Act. The meeting signals that the U.S. is looking to entice TSMC to open more facilities in the U.S., which the subsidies included in the legislation. TSMC is currently building a $12 billion semiconductor conductor facility in Arizona, which is expected to be operational by 2024. Pelosi said at a news conference in Taiwan on Wednesday that the chips and science act means more cooperation between the U S and Taiwan quote, we just passed the chips and science act. This is something that opens the door for us to have better economics exchanges. No, oh, I, I wonder who whose economic exchanges are going to uh, do better from that. Yeah. yeah Pelosi's yeah. husband, Paul uh, Pelosi yeah. has been under scrutiny for his trading of semiconductor stocks amid allegations of insider trading. In June, he purchased stocks in NVIDIA, an American chip company. He then sold 25,000 shares of NVIDIA stock at a loss. Oh, oh, look, I I, I just lost some money. Look, there's nothing to see here. The day before the House passed the Chips and Science Act, I wonder how he knew that was going to happen. Overall, global semiconductor Mm -hmm. stocks took a hit due to Pelosi's trip and unnecessary and uncertainty that it caused those big fake tits are just stirring up all kinds of trouble <laughs> so the big thing with semiconductors is yeah they make all the semiconductors it would take us 10 years and a billion dollars to start building them over here well that's a problem that they created so let's go yeah. back into into Scott Horton this is with Daniel Davis on November 12th twenty twenty
3: one. And it would take a long time. I don't know that it would take a decade, but it would certainly take a number of years. And the problem is this is what gives China a lot of leverage should they make this move because if they're smart and they usually are, they will put a big, huge no-fire zone like about a mile around that factory so that not a bullet touches it because they want to control Taiwan and the ability to have the to make those semiconductors so that they have extraordinary leverage over the rest of the world. That will mitigate anyone's ability to punish them economically after, because they can still sell the semiconductors. They'll have control of it. Hmm. That's the real. That's the ultimate yeah. threat that I see is that that would give them leverage over everybody.
0: Yeah, well, like you say, they could. So, big leverage if they control all the parts in the phone. They kind of control the entire uh, economy at this point. We we run a digital society. Especially the more you lock it down, the Zoom class doesn't get affected. But this is a way to put a chokehold on the Zoom class.
1: Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the new wave. It's not like you know, <clears throat> it's not like everybody's wanting to do more face to face.
0: Everybody's wanting to do more screen to screen. And the problem here is is that we are projecting this tone that we need to go to war over things like semiconductors and intellectual property and intellectual property. That's a whole nother rabbit hole of bullshit. But essentially yeah. you cannot own an idea. You have to put that idea into a product, and sell that product. This is a way for tech companies to say, you can't copy my website, or pharmaceutical companies to say, you can't make a similar drug to mine. This whole intellectual property idea, you're defending the worst people, the people that hate you. There's no reason that we need to go to war over intellectual property, to, to save intellectual property, for the people who want to enslave you. It's just ludicrous and this whole tone of we oh we can't let them take control of the semiconductors these are our semiconductors again thousands of miles away this is not an island in a lake in north america this is right off the coast of china we have recognized that this is there i mean we'll get accused of a lot of things on this but you know this is should be common sense This is not something that we need to poke the bear over. Yeah, if anything, just let it go. Uh, Well, we don't let things go. We have to be firm with them on things. But on things like intellectual property and Taiwan, there's just concessions are going to have to be made. We cannot do this. I'm,
1: Hmm. I'm talking semiconductors and microchips, you know. They have the bulk of the manufacturing. Yeah, uh, stateside economy will take a hit if we say no moss and um, bring everything in-house and start building microchips and everything in the states. And the the, government could speed up this process,
0: building permits and environmental permits to build these plants. I bet you you could (laughs) cut down the time. I mean, China's building these plants all over their country. Like, I I think 80% of the new chip plants that are being created are created in China. They're doing this fast. So it's not like this is something that we can't do. It's something that we need to do, and we need to do fast, and the government needs to get out of the fucking way. So let's go in a a little bit more. We're going to go back to Scott Horton and Peter Van Buren on how Taiwan and China are tied together. Here we go.
2: You're going to say the last shots fired over Taiwan were back in 1953, and it was, a, it was an artillery exchange over a couple of islands in the Straits that aren't even Taiwan proper. And since then, not a single shot ha- has been fired. Instead, China is now Taiwan's largest trading partner. It's mm. a trade in billions and billions of dollars, yeah, actually exceeding how much money gets passed between China and, and the United States. There are 11 airlines that have direct air routes across the strait back and forth. There's constant traffic. There are Chinese goods in every Taiwan store and and vice versa. They are intimately tied together economically, culturally. They speak the same language. The majority of people now on Taiwan identify as Han Chinese. The indigenous people that were originally there have kind of been pushed, pushed aside. This is quite These are two organizations, two two countrylets, I don't want to get into nomenclature here, that are (laughs) infinitely connected to one another and whose ties to one another continue to increase on a day-by-day basis. So this is starting to
0: sound a whole lot more like what's going on in the Ukraine. You got the Donbass, which is an ethnically Russian area. They voted to become Russian. And essentially the CIA and the United States put the kibosh on that, even though they they voted to have a referendum to leave Ukraine and join Russia. So, again, the United States sticking our big fake tits into a civil war that we have no business being a part of. Taiwan is not an American island. It's a Chinese island. Yeah, it's uh But by the tone of these things, you would counts. think this is an island that that is fighting with China. They're fighting for their freedom. They don't want anything with this big ugly communist Chinese party. They're this terrible place. And you know, I'm not defending yeah. China in any way. Their government is an illegitimate corrupt government. And that's what we should be referring yeah. to them as. We should say when they do terrible things we say, "Hey, this is an illegitimate corrupt government." And we're not going to hit you with sanctions. We're not going to start a war with you, but we are going to delegitimize you on the world stage best we can.
1: Yeah. And, and us, us uh, getting news from the television and the computer screen. I honestly can't like, like that video or uh, sound the video you just played. Um, they were saying that most people identify as Han Chinese, Chinese, yeah. right? Yeah now these are chinese and people they're basically shunning the native taiwanese people it's uh it's the um destroy the country from the inside out they have infected the
0: culture well, and the minds of you're people, still thinking you're still thinking of it as an island with a fence around it that wants nothing to do with china this is a trading partner this is something that's going to happen naturally as you trade with somebody, you be, look at the United States. Look at how many uh, Hispanics there are in the United States. Our our nearest neighbor. Are are we at war with China? Are with with um, Mexico over them infecting our country? No, we're letting it happen more and more. And even though this isn't something that should be happening, this isn't the end of the world. You know, the culture in Southern California is. Highly Hispanic, the Mexican food, some of the best in the world. El Feralito in San Francisco, that's one of the best burritos you're ever going to get in your life. Uh, when they when they talk about diversity in this country as not being a bad thing, they're not wrong. It's controlling the amount of people that come in and how they come in that they're wrong about. I don't mind having Hispanic culture in Southern California and in San Francisco. I enjoyed it thoroughly.
1: Yeah. Uh, the one thing I've always been curious about, I always hear that that offshoot conspiracy theory that uh, they always focus on the southern border, but when the real numbers and the real weight and uh, the real bad people are being smuggled in from the giant northern border, while everybody's focused on the southern border.
0: Sure, I mean I'm not I'm in no way defending. The immigration policies of this country, I think it's horrific. But I'm trying to just to relate that this is not a country that doesn't want anything to do with China. They're openly trading with them. Like you said, they're flying back and forth all the time. This is not separate. They are are far more closely tied together than we are with Hawaii. It's physically closer. Yeah. the culture is is far closer. They're going to meld better. They are far more tied together than we are with Hawaii. You know, yeah, that's that, that, that can't sense. even be argued. So let's go back into Scott Horton with Daniel Davis and see if he thinks there is any chance that China will attack Taiwan.
3: Is there any realistic probability that China would attack Taiwan? And the answer is yes. The they, Without question, uh, China has been absolutely very vocal from day one, from 1949 forward, that they are willing to use force to retake Taiwan. In fact, uh, for, uh, in doing some research for a piece that I'm working on right now, uh, it turns out that actually China had a plan to invade Taiwan uh, in late 1949, early 1950. That was interrupted by the Korean War. And instead of sending their troops across the Strait to take Taiwan, they had to divert them to, uh, perversely, fight the United States. Oh. Uh, and, you know when they sent three hundred thousand troops into the northern part of uh, North Korea to to fight us. Uh, otherwise they would have done it then. But they had been trying at various levels after that they recovered from the all the losses they suffered during that war. And, and in recent years, from about 1980 on, the, apparently, the, or not apparently, there was a, a good period where they were actually trying to cooperate and, and have a peaceful unification of, of, you know, something like the Hong Kong model in the period. And there was some interest on both sides of the strait, but that started changing in the 80s. Uh, and then Taiwan started becoming more independent minded. They're saying they were de facto already a country. China started saying, no, 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 it's not going to go that way. They started getting more and more bellicose. You get into the the big 1995-96 Taiwan Straits issue where missiles were flying all over the place in the sea, very close to Taiwan shores. The U.S. was sending two aircraft carrier battle groups through the Straits, et cetera. And we almost came to blows at that time, but things cooled down. In the intermediate time, really, China realized that they didn't have any answer to our aircraft carriers at that time. So they set on what has turned out to be about a 25-year period to build up their military in every capacity that will allow them to successfully attack and take Taiwan, even with all of our combat power. And that's what the gist of several pieces I've been writing here of late that just look at the cold, hard calculations that if China attacks Taiwan to retake them, and they have made it a very important plank of their national identity. I mean, it's that big to them. There's nothing we can do to stop it.
0: So I'm going to bring you more than one point of view. Yeah, you know, I'm not not just going to take you down one, right? When you you think I'm going one way, I'm going to take you another way. So, you know, Daniel Davis is no joke. This guy knows his shit. He writes for antiwar.com. This is by no means not a joke, which is why Nancy Pelosi shouldn't be shoving her big fake tits in over there. I mean, if we want to divert a war, which... You know, there's a lot of people in the government and in the military-industrial complex that would probably prefer go to war, and we shouldn't be doing shit like this. This is poking the bear.
1: I think uh, I think maybe they should spend a little money on Nancy's face because her tits are probably okay, but. (laughs)
0: Just that grill baby. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to be done about that. <laughs> and my, uh, it's, it's just you know, in a time where you're you're flirting with war you've got a proxy war going with Russia. We're essentially at, Russia considers us to be at war with them. You know why are you gonna fuck with the Chinese? They're already trading energy they're they' Russia's selling natural gas and oil to China more than ever why would you want to fuck with these people and give them an opportunity to team up? For a plausible
1: World War Three? probably, is the only thing that makes sense. It's just about uh, a viable public image of a reason to go to war.
0: There's this... Um, I mean, it... You remember that movie, uh, The Ghost in the Shell, with... uh. Scarlett Johansson, she was like an android. Oh yes, yeah. yes. So yes. they did a um, like they did like a cartoon version of that on Netflix, and in the in the show, one of the main plots was centered around what they called the sustainable wars. So essentially, corporations all got together and decided, hey, we shouldn't be killing people. We'll just build all these weapons and all these robots and automated drones, and we'll just have them beat the shit out of each other out in the middle of nowhere constantly. And we'll just keep building and building and building and building. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought
0: that was a, I thought that was a pretty decent analogy for what's for what they would like to happen. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, let's go. Let's go back into uh, Peter Van Buren. And learn a little bit more about China.
2: So to say that because China is building up its armed forces, they're going to use them against Taiwan flies in the face of of all history. In addition, it flies in the face of prudency. Why would you drop bombs on one of your best customers? It just doesn't make any sense. It also flies in the face of Chinese philosophy. The Chinese believe that in in something called the mandate of heaven, and I know for a a lot of listeners they're rolling their eyes and saying, Peter's probably wearing his Mao T-shirt and pulling his gray hair into a ponytail while he's speaking. (laughs) And the answer, of course, is not. But if if you've worked with the Chinese diplomatically, as I have, I don't want to brag, um, you get to know how they think. And the way they think is they look back at their history and the mandate of heaven says you only serve in power as long as you don't mess with the things that are important. And Taiwan invasion of Taiwan would be Chinese killing other Chinese. And I'm afraid that Is not something that is easily done and purposefully done. In addition, this vaunted military that the Chinese uh, have, and I I grant you that it is growing, you know, look what it's got. They have three Type 75 amphibious uh, assault ships. They carry a thousand men each. They've got three of them. Estimates are that they're going to need to land, an invasion would need a million men landed. How many men were landed on D-Day in Normandy? 156,000. The Chinese need to build 153 more of these ships in order to reach the D-Day 1944 levels of beach landings. It's just beyond practicality. Taiwan currently fields the Harpoon by itself. Never mind the United States. We'll get to the United States. Taiwan fields the Harpoon Missile. It has a a range of about 60 to 80 miles officially classified. The Taiwan Strait at its widest point is 110 miles. That means uh, Chinese ships would be under Harpoon attack almost as as they leave port. Taiwan is getting ready to field a, a locally made 200-mile anti-ship missile, which means that it would be able to hit the Chinese ships in harbor before they even set sail. Taiwan flies the F-16 uh, V, which is no unofficially nuclear capable, and the most modern el- electronics. They have uh, the ability to launch a formidable defense in a highly confined area against a land invasion that you know hasn't been done its scale since 1944 and then we introduced the United States. We're all aware of the United States amazing military capabilities the United States has at least two carrier groups at all times, the Chinese have a single aircraft carrier that they just launched, has at least two groups in, in the Pacific at any one time we have recently agreed with the British that they will station two super carriers and we're selling nuclear submarines to the Australians to complement our own and the British in the area the United States can fly combat missions Against China, out of Guam, out of Korea, out of Japan, out of out of practically out of Hawaii with refueling, and this enormous military power can be flipped on with a switch. It's practiced all the time. So, to me, that
0: sounds a little bit more realistic than what Daniel Davis would say. And, and but, like Daniel Davis said, they have if they were going to do this invasion, they would have to not damage these factories. Yeah. If that's the prize, if that's the real prize is these semiconductors, you have to be able to do all of that without damaging your semiconductors and without letting the Taiwanese, you know, uh suicide bomb it or something like that. Cuz you know, at some point, you know, I I I could we I live down by the um nuclear testing facility here in Idaho for the Department of Energy. They test all of the reactors there. If we started having red Chinese rolling through the streets of Idaho, I wouldn't have a problem going over there and blowing everything up before they got access to it. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it's going to set us uh, back, but, you know, fuck them.
1: Uh, all I all I keep hearing is uh, another reason to send $40 billion to a small country.
0: Yeah country yeah. country like, oh, with we- with <laughs> with big explanation points c u n t 3 yeah country. exactly <laughs> you know the, the US military is just a fucking killing machine i i just i mean i i don't i'm not a military guy i know a lot about airplanes I'd take an F sixteen over a, a, a new generation Chinese fighter plane. I, we don't know how those fucking things work. We sure as shit know how an F sixteen works, and they work just fine. You know the Chinese yeah. only are going to let loose what they want to let loose on those things, and even our fifth generation fighters aren't that aren't what they were built to be. The F twenty two program was a, a fucking. Financial disaster, it's a 50 year project and the plane's not that much better than an F-15. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but you got to keep trying. You, you got to keep going. Advance. Um, so uh, he was uh, also yeah. bringing up the mandate of heaven and this came up in, in COVID. I don't know if you remember hearing about this in COVID, but this, was brought into play a couple of times. And I remember hearing something about um, their zero COVID policy was essentially that in order for Emperor Xi to fulfill the mandate of heaven, he had to fulfill this zero COVID policy, which is why you got all of these hardcore lockdowns in Shanghai and just draconian measures because he has to project that, He's not fucking with the mandate of heaven. He's not messing with the big things. He's not killing Chinese. And, again, why they probably had to hide the evidence of the lab leak. So I pulled this from a Washington Post article. They get some things right every once in a while. Since ascending to the top job China's political and military hierarchy in 2012, Xi has moved to make himself the strongest leader since Mao Zedong the founder of the communist state. He unleashed an anti-corruption campaign to purge rivals and preside over an Orwellian expansion of the surveillance state. Two years ago, he scrapped term limits, effectively enabling him to stay in power uh, indefinitely. And this year, he has been uh, styling himself as the people's leader, a term applied to Mao. But with China's death toll from the coronavirus, Virus nearing 3,000, this was early Xi faces an unprecedented uh, challenge to his leadership when things get out of kilter, heaven uh, expresses disfavor said Schnell, citing the Chinese philosopher Xi has uh, stripped of his invincibility and is calling into question the mandate of heaven so this is no joke we don't really understand their philosophy and their history like, I, I mean, I don't know how much you know about Chinese philosophy, but I don't know a fucking thing. So, this, this could be no joke.
1: He's stripped of his invincibility. Yeah, so man. Said.
0: This is no joke. You should read Michael Malice's book about uh, North Korea. It's fucking wild, the shit that, that he did up there. Just Incredible. Like you read his book, and it's kind of like a comedy, but it's you know the most horrible things ever. It's wild. All right, so let's Sounds let's like hear Mortal Combat, dude. It's the things that he, he 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 basically subscribed himself as a god, and everybody in that entire country. <laughs> thought he was a god and just all these weird weird things it's wild all right so let's go back to peter van buren and think and see what he thinks if uh china if china will invade taiwan
2: joe biden about a week or so ago blurted out that the united states will absolutely defend no. Taiwan, and his handlers quickly mentioned that this was another of his goofy gas or like he and started. that they said quote no change is There's no change in policy. Biden's gaffe was the most honest statement he's ever made as a politician and the White My House accident. is walking it back by saying there's no change in policy was actually one of the more clever things they've said, because the policy is and always has been that the United States is going to defend Taiwan. We sell them modern weapons. We have our entire Pacific forces posture towards the defense of Taiwan. We do constant freedom of navigation movements. We have a constant uh, aerial presence. We constantly uh, spy on, on China. All of this stuff only points one direction that the United States would in fact step in. Now, other than that, why would the United States be bound to step in? And the answer is that the entire Asian alliance that the United States for better or worse created after world war two depends on the belief in Japan and Korea and other places, but those countries in particular that the United States will step up to their defense. And, If the United States were not to defend Taiwan, then Korea and Japan would go nuclear the same week. Um, because they would no longer be able to rely on the the United States as the guarantor of of peace in in Asia to a certain uh, extent. Um, The other thing, of course, would be that the world economy would be sent into a tailspin by the invasion of Taiwan. The dollar would crash. You think you're having shipping supply problems right now? Imagine war there. Last but not least... China would never take the risk of invading Taiwan because the United States has 10 nuclear weapons to every one China has, and we could probably successfully deliver nine out of those 10 into China's territory, unlike the Chinese who kind of hoped they'd lob one across the the, the Pacific somewhere. Nobody does a risk versus gain calculation with nuclear weapons in the mix and comes out saying, you know what we got to do? We've got to invade this island for no real purpose other than some propaganda statements our leaders have made talking about eventual unification. So if I say that the United States will intervene, that's the reasons why. So there you go.
0: They will defend Taiwan the the thing that's with nuclear weapons is that you only have to ha- hit one and it doesn't have to hit land I mean you don't even necessarily want to hit land you want to hit it you know miles above San Francisco and knock all the power out or you want to lob that's it dope. into the ocean and cause a tidal wave you know you don't uh-huh. have to have a precision bomb you can destroy San Francisco with one nuke in the water, you know, fifty miles offshore. Yeah.
1: The one thing I heard uh it was Japan and somebody else uh that they said Korea. Uh, I can't remember if it was if if China invades Taiwan, but it, the the response was Japan and some other country would immediately go nuclear. Yes. The only thing I could think was, hasn't Japan already been nuclear?
0: No, Japan doesn't have a def- uh, an offensive army. They have a defense force. They apply on. They rely on us one hundred percent for their military.
1: I'm talking about Hiroshima.
0: Yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> they got nukes, they don't have nukes. They went yeah, they went nuclear a while back. That is absolutely true. <laughs> uh, all right. So, do you know who Doug, uh, Colonel McGregor is? You heard of Colonel McGregor before? i uh, not off the top of my head. He worked for the Trump administration for a little while. Uh he's he's the man. We're going to read a little bit about him and then we're going to go to a couple videos from The colonel. So this is on Wikipedia. Uh, Military career. McGregor was the squadron operations officer who essentially uh, directed the battle of 73 Easting during the Gulf War. Facing an Iraqi Republican Guard opponent, he led a contingent consisting of 19 tanks, 26 Bradley fighting vehicles, and four M1R uh, whatever, mortar carriers through the sand, through the sandstorm to the 73 Eastern at roughly 16, 18 hours on 26th. He destroyed almost 70 Iraqi armored vehicles with no U.S. casualties in a 23-minute span of battle. He was at the front of the formation in the center with Eagle Troop on the right and Ghost Troop on the left. McGregor designated Eagle Troop the main attack and positioned himself to the left of Eagle Troop. Eagle Troop scouts subsequently followed McGregor's tank through a minefield during which he destroyed two enemy tanks. As McGregor was towards the front of the battle involved shooting, he didn't request artillery support uh, or report events to superiors until the battle was virtually over. According to one of his superior officers, the risks he undertook could have been criticized had they turned out ugly. So this guy essentially turned his radio off and directed a tank battle through a sandstorm and a minefield from the front. So, no joke. And he went on and he wrote a couple of books about how to reform the military. And he did it while he was still in the military and it really fucked him. The The higher-ups didn't like it. A couple of generals liked yeah. what he wanted to do. But the higher-ups put the kibosh on it and, there, and it cost him from being a general. So... Let's go to a clip with Doug McGregor on judging freedom with the great Judge Napolitano. What would he say?
4: And I know you're not a shrink. You're a military guy. We will defend Taiwan forcefully. Uh, incomprehensible to me. Uh, I, I can't explain it because any reasonable person would simply look at the map and say this is six, 7,000 miles away from the United States uh, moving forces that far that will make any difference to the outcome is extremely difficult, very hazardous today. The Chinese now have lots of submarines, but more important, they have enormous intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance capabilities overhead in space. Uh, they can track everything we do. They can, they can turn most of our surface fleet into a target in short order. So the bottom line is, why would we travel halfway around the world to make war on China on China's doorstep? It's a strategically stupid idea. Now, if the Chinese want to make war on us and they'd like to sail over off the coast of California, that would be very advantageous to us. <laughs> they'd be very stupid. Right. So the, the point is, that this is a, the whole idea of war with China is just a dumb idea. It ought to be shelved, and there's no reason for it. We can work out our differences without that. But this notion of now presenting suddenly overnight. Taiwan is this glistening uh, city on the hill of democracy and liberalism. Oh, what's that sound it's, like? It's, it's just misleading. Mm-hmm. All the states in Northeast Asia are quite similar. Japan, Korea, Taiwan, China, very similar values and attitudes. And we don't understand those things. They're different from us. This, this whole thing is unnecessary. So why did he say what he did? Someone planted the idea in him or he wouldn't have said it. So you'll have to ask who's running the show in the White House.
0: That's who Trump should have made secretary of defense. If he'd made McGregor secretary of defense, he'd have ended all the wars. He'd have actually done some good. So when he says war with China and defending Taiwan is stupid based on his career, I think we ought to believe him. For sure. That
1: was my opinion
0: of the Ukraine
1: situation.
0: It's Ukraine. exactly... Um, I almost forgot about uh, that. It's, it's the exact same playbook they're pulling, pulling with Ukraine. They were writing yeah, articles yeah. in Vice a couple of years ago about how Ukraine was the most corrupt country in Europe, but now it's this shining democracy on the hill, exactly like he said with Taiwan. Yeah. They yeah. want to... Uh, I, and I mean... I feel like... In an hour, we went Go through ahead. and got more history than you could get out of the corporate press in all of the clips they've put out about Taiwan and China in the last month.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, um, I, I I subscribe to the whole um, the United States needs to stop trying to be the world police. Yeah. We need to um, look look within our own borders. Take care of what people we have within those borders, and uh, be- before we start even trying to pretend like we can take care of anybody outside. So you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah.
0: Well, let's see if uh, it, it, Colonel McGregor thinks we're able to do that.
4: I think privately, the Army Chief of Staff and certainly Milley have both admitted that the U.S. Army is in no condition to fight a war. Uh, they can't recruit. They're they're suffering from an acute no condition power to fight a war, isn't it? Their constitutional mission to be ready to fight a war. Well, you could make the same comment about all the armed forces, but the truth is that the armed forces, largely, especially army, marines, but I, I think the army is probably the one of the worst examples. Navy is probably almost as bad. Really exist to provide jobs for generals. Oh. So, so you have this enormous bureaucracy that is built up over time. Today, we have in the United States Armed Forces forty four-star generals and admirals. Forty. Now, to to those who don't understand what this means, during World War II, when we had twelve point two million men under arms fighting all over the world, at the height of that war, until the war was nearly over, we only had seven four stars. Today we have 1.1 million under arms, and we have 40. Now, any anyone who knows anything about military history knows that this kind of overhead is corrupting. Uh, it's unnecessary. It constipates and slows down decision-making. It, it makes for bad policy. Uh, so I think, in this sense, we're Banana Republic-like,
2: in that we yeah, have lots Republic. of people running
4: around as generals, wearing lots and lots of medals, none of which have anything to do with fighting on anybody under fire or killing anybody or being valorous but a lot to do with oh I I was in the theater when this happened and I was here when this happened and my fellow generals rewarded me with more decorations it, it's embarrassing this is a this is a terrible mess that needs to be addressed so I no I think that you're right that is the constitutional obligation but no we're not ready to do anything our combat units are a fraction of the size of the force uh, that we call the U.S. Army. When you go to the Marines, you have sixty, sixty-three thousand, sixty-five thousand 63,000, 65,000 Marines in aviation and aviation support alone. When you go down and look at the numbers of Marine infantry regiments and you count the numbers of Marines that you've got in those, that's only 30, perhaps 30,000. So where where is everyone Well, you have a multitude of headquarters all over the world, all these regional unified commands, these functional commands. Then you have single service commands. We have a lot of four stars in the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. All of this is nonsense. It's not needed. It should have gone away in the 90s with the end of the Cold War. Instead, Mm -hmm. it got bigger.
0: Yeah. 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 And he got into why later on in the interview. We all know it's about weapons manufacturing. More generals means more access points for manufacturers to make deals. More meetings, and you get a bigger, uh, you know, uh, revolving door process where generals can go into bureaucracy after they get out or they can go into a, you know, chairman of the board of a weapons contractor and meet with another general that he served with. It's just a big fucking racket, like he says. And, hey, how how great does that make you feel? We don't have the power to fight a war, and— why is you as a Midwestern family or a family in Idaho or a family in Montana, why would you want to send your kids to fight for a military that's probably going to be training them to fight you, not over in China?
1: Yeah. Very good point. <laughs> um, it was saying that there was a, a bunch of generals, right? Yeah. Not, not a lot of infantry. Uh, so well, the they one have to have I the have infantry was, they do is have is,
0: is set up as staffers in all of these foreign, foreign, uh, you know, bases. How many, you were, you were lived on Pendleton. How many, you know, people worked on that base just to keep it operational? Thousands. I, I never oh, lived. You, you, on, you, uh, knew somebody who lived on Camp Pendleton.
1: <laughs> I visited.
0: <laughs> absolutely did not ever surf there <laughs> no i
1: surfed there but uh i never I, I i never uh spent uh more than three nights in a row uh,
0: well guess what, what the good news is is we have the first four-star black general in the united states marine corps U.S. Marine Lieutenant General Michael Landry in charge of all Marine Corp operations in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> we got to promote him. We need one over there. Let's throw one over there. I mean, how uh, fucking racist is that? It's like Kamala yeah. Harris getting her fucking presidential or vice presidential nomination because she was the only black woman qualified. That was, you know, had a big enough uh, pop to make a difference. I mean, it's just crazy some of the shit they pull. Dude, I'm kind of, you know,
1: I saw that video about the the AOC Big Booty Latina. Oh, that's hilarious.
0: And I, I, I don't know. I think it's made me a fan. Oh, she's smoking hot. Did you ever see that video of her dancing on the rooftop? Oh, I'll send you that one afterwards. Uh, Alex Stein, the same guy that did that video, he has a great one where he uh, got a got next to um, what's his fucking name, uh, the guy with the eye patch, oh, Dan Crenshaw. He cornered Dan Crenshaw in the in the airport and he started calling him Eye Patch McCain. <laughs> It's like, I Patch McCain. I Patch McCain. You sold out our country, you warmonger. You work for the World Economic Forum. He's just screaming at him. It's great. Nolan. I couldn't believe he got he got AOC to bite. Someone. Oh, she, she didn't know who he was, and then as soon as they found out yeah. afterwards, she she went and had her handlers go try and uh it it's just fucking great. I love it. I thought it was great. Nolan, where can the people find you?
1: You can find me at this point in time on the Instagrams at 5150Nolan. If you want some um, dank motorcycle and cat content, you know what to do.
0: Right on. If you're listening to this right now, we've got a YouTube channel, Too Hard for the Radio Podcast. You can go watch the YouTube video. Maybe uh, if you're listening for this long – you either think we're assholes or, you know, you liked what you heard, so hit the buttons on, maybe give us a comment, you know, all those things. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. The more numbers we get, the more, you know, we'll get propped up, the more people see the show, great for us. Hey, and since you're listening to new a podcast, you can find a new podcast app, Podcasting 2.0. You can go to Podfriend or CurioCaster, and if you felt like screaming at us at one point in this, in this podcast... You can do that. You can go onto those apps and you can pinpoint the moment that you want to scream at us and shoot us a couple of uh, Satoshi Bitcoins and, and uh, you can scream at us and we'll read it live on the next podcast. What do you think about that? Oh, Nolan? Yeah.
1: <laughs> That sounds sick.
0: <laughs> and you know what else we've got? We've got a newsletter. So go a to.
1: Newsletter?
0: Yeah, we got a newsletter. Go to toohardfortheradio.substack.com, toohardfortheradio.substack.com. I just choked on my teeth there for a second. That was beautiful. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. Every week before the show, the The morning of, you're going to get an email. It'll have some cool stuff in it, maybe some an article about stuff that we didn't talk about on the podcast, or maybe an article from the future. You never really know, but it'll give you... a Uh, links to where you can find the podcast on YouTube or rumble or any podcasting 2.0 apps. And that will be our home base until I can afford a better website because the website that I have not so great. (laughs) But it's on the web. It is there and you can link to it at my uh, Instagram at uh, Hard Radio Pod, and that's also where I'm at on Twitter. I'm still dark on Twitter because I'm embarrassed about our sound, to be honest. I I, I can't believe that that our sound is still this yeah. terrible, but we're going to figure yeah. it out. Uh, yeah. We have computer issues, and Nolan doesn't understand technology. It's like sending an iPad to a, to a caveman. <laughs> he looks at it and goes, oh, shiny rock, and he hines, hangs it up in his room and spins it around at night and goes, oh, look at the pretty colors.
1: Uh, worship... Shiny video
0: box. (laughs) Uh, All right. So we got one more story for the night. The Don got raided. Did you hear about this? He got his uh, Mar-a-Lago. Oh, yeah. Got raided. Oh, yeah. And this has got to be some serious corruption. I didn't do too much digging into it. I heard people complaining about it. And, you know, I would not be surprised if this is totally corrupt. They want to do anything they can to keep him from running this year. I I heard that the judge that signed the warrant was a magistrate judge and not a federal judge. And it should be a federal judge and something like this. And apparently this magistrate Mm. judge was on the Epstein case as a lawyer and he was Mm. uh, on the offensive and then he switched to the defensive and they uh, accused him of like holding information and switching over to help Epstein out. So, you know, wouldn't be surprised at all if this guy is blackmailed in any way. But the the plot thickens the Uh, one thing, the
1: one, the one thought. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say the, uh, the one thought I had is, uh, obviously all these people, you know, like, uh, the Obama's, the Clinton's, the Bushes, they clearly live in a society and, and like a, a large circle of people where the trust is based off of, I have shit on you. You have shit on me so we can trust each other. Trump seems to not live in that realm. Yes. He, you know, he, uh, don't get me wrong. Everybody's done something wrong. Everybody's done something illegal. There's degrees to things. uh, But, it, it you know uh, whatever the the bottom line is that it is a play to find it, it, the last grasping at straws to get him on anything that they can yeah. find
0: any kind of concrete evidence, any way to keep him from running again. Yeah. Uh, I got a I got I wasn't gonna he, I wasn't gonna play this, but on the Clintons, I've got a a great video for that. Here is. <laughs> Uh all right, so this video I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to describe it a little bit to begin with, but uh it cuts back and forth from Joe Rogan at UFC. So let me let me come on. Here we go.
4: One of the things you've been talking about on your
0: show is your allegation that government officials are
2: aiding in pedophilia, child trafficking and the grooming of children, right? Well you mean
4: like what Jeffrey Epstein did with the cleans?
0: That was at Alex Jones's trial. <laughs> The one thing I keep hearing, I, I'm sure we pissed right wingers off enough on this show, which is good because we pissed off all the left wingers in the last show, so we had to go at the right wingers on this one. But yep. the one thing that pisses me off is you keep hearing this: "Oh, they've never done this to a president before, and the precedent that they're setting, and oh, they could keep doing this." And I'm to me, it's like you know, I'm sure this is probably a bullshit raid, but I think the precedent should be set. I wouldn't mind if they rated presidents randomly. You think that Bill Clinton doesn't have something lying around in his basement or, you know, the Bushes don't have a dead body or two buried in their cellar? I mean, to me, hey, pop these people randomly. If you're one of these high-ranking officials— Get your fucking house searched once a year randomly. Make sure these, or not even once Thank a year, you, every ten true. years. So you th- think you can feel, or maybe not even in a year, you just have to submit to being randomly searched at any time. Keep these fucking people By on anybody, their toes. Anybody, anybody at any time. Now, well, now you'd I'm have to American
1: go. Citizen.
0: You'd have to go through like a higher court. And able to get it. But if you had a, a decent, ch- which, you know, oh. our government can never do. So it would be abused fucking horribly. So, you I know, it's the, probably go a bad through idea. The court
1: process
0: huh? go through the court process to raid Nancy Reagan. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Who knows what she's got? I'd love to see some naked pictures of old Nance. And let's see those big fake Nancy Pelosi tits. <laughs> hmm but hey if you're if you're a, a trump guy don't don't worry like like you said there's a plan and there's a storm coming think about what's happening right now and trump the patriots they brought them down this path where they exactly wanted them to go and this is going to get worse and worse for them the patriots are in complete and utter control and the storm it's coming and it's going to hit really hard. That's it for the night, ladies and gentlemen. The storm is coming. <laughs> uh. <laughs>